Uh, it's just so good to just be here right now. To see the faces that are here, I'm just stoked. Uh, for um, anyone who's new, uh, I'm one of the leaders. My name's Jackson, and um, we have a couple of different teachers. Uh, Seth teaches, Gordy teaches, Abby teaches, and then this is my first Sunday. I'm getting thrown into the mix. Don't know what I did to deserve such a thing. How could you? Uh, but yeah, so um, like I said, I, I couldn't have a, a better, um, I don't know, community of faces to look at while I just kind of jump in and see what happens. And um, so that said, uh, this week, you know, Gordy is... Gracious enough to, I mean, he went on vacation, so maybe this is the reason why, but he wasn't too strict with, like, you got to teach on this, and maybe because, you know, you were on the beach, so out of sight, out of mind, but I was just trying to think, like, man, what could I teach on, and what's something that um, we have been sharing, but I could almost share it in a different way, and a different focus, um, and so I had the image of light come to me. And obviously, you know, I wonder why. <laughs> but light is just this reoccurring theme throughout the whole, um, whole Bible. And, you know, obviously our world is light. I mean, daytime, boom. And it's so weird. It's, you know, we, we look through it all the time. We, we, we can never look at light unless you stare at the sun and don't try that because we know what happens. And um, so it's just this interesting image that comes up over and over and over again. And so um, you can throw up the verse, Abby, that it, this, this struck me. So this is in 1 John. Um, one of the guys that decided to write about Jesus, he wrote the book of John. And 1 John is a letter that he wrote. And this is what he said. He said, this is the message we have heard from him, Jesus and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. And uh, I don't know about you, but whenever there's pitch black darkness, it's never comforting. Uh, I was thinking this morning, this story came to me. Uh, when I was in, I think junior high, we went boating up in Flaming Gorge and went camping. And um, we were sleeping in the boat, and we were cozying up in the sleeping bag, so smiling because he remembers this. Uh, I, I was sleeping, and I had, you know, I had a good amount of, I think, water or soda before bed, so I had to wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, go to the bathroom. And so I stood up, and I was on the bench, and I hopped on the back deck, and I took a step on the deck, and then I took another step, and just, because I had no idea where anything was, and I... In my mind, there was, should have been the deck there, and I took a step and just tumbled, full clothes. You know, I was ready to, uh, I guess, take a midnight swim without realizing it. But it's just this weird feeling when we're walking around and it's dark, and we kind of have the picture of what's around us in our mind. And the next thing we know, that picture doesn't match up to reality. And so, take a step and plunge. And so, I don't know, I, that verse, it, it brings a lot of um, curiosity into my mind and heart of, yeah, like God is 
the revealer, like his very nature. He is the, the, the essence of life. And when we don't see in God, we miss it. We miss the, the point of this whole thing. And so um, I've just loved the way Seth and Gordy and Abby have been teaching because uh, they've, they've tried to name things that I think the light was pointing towards because one of the big themes that um, have, has been coming up over and over is there are no easy answers. Hold on to the questions. You know, let's kind of be friends with uncertainty. And, you know, we've preached this, you guys preached this during a time when we needed answers. We needed, you know, some sort of thing to stand on because the world was falling apart. And so, like, I look around at this community, I'm like, man, you guys are, you know, you must like something about us because we did not share a message that was very encouraging or, dare I say, sexy. But, uh, you know, it's, it, that message has kind of shifted more over the past, you know, six months or so, and, and it's turned into this, um, you know, I, I like to call it living in a bigger love. You know, Gordy's been, when we're in Fiji, Gordy just shared throughout, you know, all, all Paul's letters, it's just this bigger love, this light that is holding everything and everyone. And so those, those themes, the theme of light, you know, the theme of kind of getting comfortable with uncertainty, with questions, and then just trying to get a sense of this underlying love that's everywhere. Like, that is what I'm interested in. And so as I go forward, and, you know, hopefully you guys invite me back up to uh, share some thoughts, uh, I, I want to always come back to this. You can throw up the title slide. So, li living light. And, you know, I'll kind of dance around this idea of living light. And today, I want to talk about the art of seeing. And um, it's not going to be a ton of verses. Um, I think image-based and theme-based sermons, you know, we can find where we talk about light and go, go through the Bible like that. But today, I want to kind of sit in um, just the image, and you'll find out why that's, that's kind of appealing to me this morning. Um, so with living light, there's three big things that come to mind, you know, just as, as one big overview of the Bible. Number one, we read it, God is light. Number two, Jesus came and said, what do you say? I am the light of the world. And then, um, not and then, because Jesus actually said this at the beginning, and we'll get to this, but he said, you are light. And so it's like, huh? Well, you know, okay, there's, those are three very interesting proclamations and declarations. And so let's, uh, let's hold those as we journey into the text, and I'm just going to um, pray and yeah, let's still our hearts and focus our minds. Yeah, Father, Son, Spirit, thank you for uh, the opportunity to teach, the opportunity to, uh, to stretch ourselves. And, you know, I was just talking with people this morning. We all have areas where we're stepping into what feels like a dark, unknown thing. And, you know, this is, this is that for me. And... Uh, yeah, it's just that feeling of um, 
taking a step and knowing that you'll catch us. And I think that's something we can always hold on to, and I just pray that this morning you'll, you'll speak through me, you'll uh, speak into the hearts of everyone here, and say this in your name, amen. So, Kaya, back there, the little blonde girl, so cute, that's our daughter, she's so funny, because even this morning I'm laughing, because I walk up here, there's a goldfish up here, Kaya, and oh, and I just crunched it, sorry Gordy, we'll clean that up, uh, and you know, during worship, Kaya had a thing of crackers, and she's running around, and you guys may have saw this, but she pulls out a cracker and hands it to me, and this is her thing. This is her thing. She always wants to grab food or stuff and, and, and come and just give it and be like, hey, dad, mom, stranger, like, take this. You'll like it, you know? And what's funny is she's, she's been doing this thing. It's, it's kind of this kick of uh, she'll go in the mornings. I wake up. And, you know, I'll kind of get up and walk around without my glasses. I wear contacts. And she'll go and she'll find my glasses. And she'll walk over and be like, Daddy, hand me my glasses. And she knows, like, Dad, you, you need glasses. You got to be able to see. You got to be able to, you know, you're kind of stumbling around here, Dad. And it's funny because the second I put them on, I'm like, oh, I can see. But what's this smudge and this kind of, like, weird color, you know, whatever was on her hands is then on my glasses. And so um, it, that experience, you know, that, that feeling of being able to see, but you just can't quite see, I think that's something that we all um, can relate to. We all can experience um, and, and get a sense of. And so this morning we're going to talk about a parable about seeing and you know, not quite seeing. And so if you want to throw that up, Abby, the Matthew. So Jesus said, and this is during his Sermon on the Mount, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So it's pretty self-explanatory. I don't need to share much, I don't think. No, just kidding. Um, before we even dive into this, I'm going to just mention a few things about uh, parables and stories and images, because this was the way that Jesus taught. And I mean, the first point, you can put it up, Abby. Let's be honest, Jesus' style of teaching is really confusing. He uses these everyday examples, you know, a, a dish you know, a lamp, light, and then he just like leaves us with no answer to what he's talking about. <laughs> He'll just say it and show it and then leave us. And what's funny is it's these simple things, yet we know there's more and we know they're so complex. And so when he's saying, you know, there's a lamp and an eye and a body, like we know all these things because they're simple, they're obvious, but in the context of his teaching, and we'll get into this later, we know that he's saying a lot more than just talking about an eye, or eyes and a lamp and a body. And so that kind of brings me to my next point. It's frustrating. <laughs> Who gets frustrated when you read through 
Jesus' words and you know all you can do is really skip over it and pretend like you didn't read that. Because it's frustrating. And I think the frustrating part about it is like he, you can't have easy answers when it comes to um, this style of teaching. Because the second you start to conclude something, you know there's still some space in the image. There's still space in the story. There's still space in, you know, the, the parable that, yeah, I don't, I don't think I can just, like, put this in the drawer, close it, and be done. Like, I'm, this is still working on me. And so Jesus taught in this way that demanded openness, demanded humility, demanded patience, and honesty, because... I don't know about you, but I hate admitting that, you know, I don't know, I don't know this. <laughs> I have no clue. And to be honest, like this morning is going to be semi-weird because we're going to look at this parable, and first thing I want to admit to you guys, like, I'm not going to be able to give you all the answers. I wish. I'm going to share kind of what I hope is something that stirred in me that is just a little um, piece that is fitting inside to this image. But ultimately, like, we got to sit with these images and just be, like I said earlier, comfortable with being uncomfortable. But, which brings me to the last point, that's why Jesus' style is so powerful. And um, Dallas Willard, we quote him all the time, he has an awesome, awesome quote. Uh, In Matthew 13, so one of the chapters where he's teaching, Jesus is teaching in parables, and the question that comes from his closest followers is one we are apt to feel deeply. Why do you speak to them in parables? Put it in other language. Why don't you just run over them with the truth? That's what we're inclined to do as human beings, but it doesn't work, and it isn't God's plan. God does not crash your party. He waits for you to wake up. If I'm too absorbed in my own affairs, if I'm too impressed with my own religion, too intent on bringing my truth as I understand it to the world, I will not seek him, and I will not seek him appropriately. And so the power of these parables is they force us to seek. You know, they force us to be humble, honest, curious, but we got to like, we got to seek. It's like a needle in a haystack. You see this image and we got to dive in and somehow, some way, find the heart of what Jesus was pointing at. Because there is a, a heartbeat to these stories, to these parables, to these images. Like, he's, he wasn't just, like, throwing it out there and be like, figure it out, like, make your own meaning. Like, he's, he was intentional. And I think we, we kind of write him off too early with our definitions and answers. And so, I, yeah, like I said, they're frustrating, they're confusing, but they're powerful. And so let's, let's kind of dive into the context of when he said this parable about the lamp and the eye. Um, this is the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, it's kind of, for a while, the Sermon on the Mount was not talked about much, but recently it's like, it's kind of becoming um, the core of Christianity again. Because Jesus came and he performed these, well, he got baptized and kind of, like started getting attention in Judaism, and then he performed these miracles, and so he'd get attention with the non-Jews, and then he'd get attention with the Pharisees and the teachers. And so as he was getting all this attention stirring up, what'd he do? 
he noticed a crowd was stirring, and he came up, sat down on a hill, on a mount, and started teaching. And before he sat down and, and did the Sermon on the Mount, he did proclaim something. We could put that first point up. So the context that we're looking at, oh, not the first point, backwards, a little, there we go. So Jesus's gospel, it, I remember first reading this because Dallas Willard was the, the author that pointed this out to me, but his gospel, the way he put it, was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so when we look at, you know, that, it's almost like another image. It's at hand. What does that mean? Like the kingdom of heaven isn't, like if you put yourself in the shoes of Israel, you're always thinking, okay, God is going to come save us from the thumb of the oppressors, from Babylon, from the Romans, from just whoever has their foot on our throats, God's going to come down from heaven and save us. And then Jesus comes and says, guys, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what does that mean? And so people, of course, start following him. What's this guy saying? They say he's the Messiah. Is he going to deliver us from these oppressors? He's saying the kingdom is at hand. Does that mean it's coming? And he's going to start throwing lightning bolts and, you know, oppressing those oppressors? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see the way he taught. Um, so you can put the next one. And so I, I mentioned his gospel was his proclamation, but when he sat down, Sermon on the Mount, he made this statement to all these people, all different kinds of people, you know, and, and it was especially those that were seeking to be healed. So people that were on the margins, they were sick, they were diseased, they were paralyzed, all sorts of people. He sits down and he looks at them and says, you guys are salt, you guys are light, you guys are blessed. And what's so crazy about this is they didn't do anything up to this point. They didn't, you know, perform any rituals at the temple. They didn't, you know, honestly, everyone would look at them and say, they're not blessed. Look at them. They have diseases. They have struggles. They have hardships. Like, are you kidding me? Like, why would Jesus sit down and say, you're blessed? And so... This proclamation, I can only imagine, as he said that, like, what? And so then he goes into it, and you can put up the third point. So then he starts teaching. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, look, you know, you guys are blessed, you guys are the light of the world, but you can lose your saltiness. You know, you can lose that salt that, you know, you, you flavor the world. And, you know, this kingdom is at hand, but there are obstacles that I got to warn you about. You see, there's this external way of living that Jesus called the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And uh, it's, it's, I'm, the more I sat with this, the more I just felt honestly just humiliated because it's so the sea we're swimming in. So the righteousness of the scribe and the Pharisees Jesus starts talking. He's like, let's talk about anger, guys. So first, the Pharisees and the scribes say, don't murder. And so you're like, okay, don't murder. Look around. You know, we haven't murdered. We're good. 
And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Like, they said don't murder, but I say don't be angry. You know, they said don't commit adultery, but I say don't objectify humans. Don't objectify people. Don't lust. You know, and, and he goes down the list, talking about divorce, talking about all these practical things. And he's like, I say, you know, he's kind of redefined, not redefined. He said he's, he didn't come to abolish these laws, but to fulfill them, to take us deeper. And so his teaching, his par- I mean, you, that last slide, uh, Abby, the first one. So these parables, his style of teaching, they train us to look below the surface. They train us to go beyond the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees because if we're living on the surface, um, we're going to see, like, that's when our, uh, I'd say our touch or being in touch with the light, it, it fades because we're, we're so out here that Seth said last week, you know, we, a lot, it's tempting to live our life from the outside in, but when we live from the inside out, that's when I think we start to May, you know, maybe experience what we call the kingdom, what Jesus called the kingdom. And so, Jesus keeps talking, goes down the list, and then he starts to dive into, uh, you can go back to that third point, just with the teaching, um, just to keep us oriented. Uh, so, he gets down to practices of life, you know, and, and reputation, and he starts talking about prayer and fasting and money. And what's interesting is the prayer and fasting is obvious because it's like those, you know, who are of high reputation in the church, you know, the Pharisees, the scribes, they're the ones doing it and they're the ones doing it well. And, and then he talks about fasting and again, they're the ones doing it and they're the ones doing it well. And it's so hard because I'm like, man, okay, that's really humiliating because I'm up here. And what I want, I want, like, to be honest, I, I had to just, like, stare this thought directly in the face. What I want is to do this well, like, to teach well, to have the answers well, to, you know, let you guys in on life well, and, you know, like, come to me so that I can set you, set you on the path. And what's hilarious is then, like, reading through this sermon to get to the parable, the image, I'm like, I just got caught in that trap. Like, it's that easy. It is the sea we're swimming in. We forget, like, we, we got to always come back to this and remember because then Jesus starts talking about money. And what's funny is, you know, when you fast well, when you pray well, you know, you, the church sees you well, then you get power because of your reputation. And Jesus starts talking about money, and he, he starts to point out that you get power through money, you know, you, you get reputation through money, and if that's where your heart's at, like, that's what you're going to get. But he's already pointed out that that is an external life, that is a, a life based on reputation, an outside-in life, that is not going to touch this kingdom. And so... In, in that little slot of when he just, you know, he says, you know, that money is, you know, you can't love, you can't pursue, like, God, light, life, the spirit, and pursue, like, fully, like, this external power reputation that is all about me. 
And so then he brings us to the parable. And honestly, Abby, if you can, yeah, if you can bring up that next slide. Uh, I just want to reiterate, because we see with his style, we see with what he chose to say. Um, he wants us to go inward, looking beneath our appearances, actions, and reputations that are seen by others. And so, I mean, he, he showed us, you know, whether you're in the church or whether you're in the world out there and, you know, we're all trying to make money. We have to. It's necessary. Um, but if it's where we're getting our um, life and light, let's put up the next verse. Oh, and so here's the dilemma. Let's just keep reiterating this because it feels so good, right? Uh, uh, yeah, we're drawn to the message. We're drawn to this message of life and light and that the kingdom is at hand. But, you know, as Jesus put it, you can't pursue both of these. But we'd rather seem good than actually be good. Because, you know, for a while we got caught in this trap of thinking that, um, you know, let's go to church and clean up. And, you know, and then once you're there for a while, we get stuck in this trap. Okay, we've been here for a while. Let's seem good. Let's look good. But honestly, like, gosh, when I started being honest, it was pretty ugly and still is. Like, it's, it's, honest, it's more just opening up, opening up, going deeper into who I am through these teachings and parables that say, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. And I'm finding more and more dust and, you know, skeletons in my closet. And so, like, Dallas Willard changed my whole understanding, pointing out that Jesus really did want us to be inwardly, like, good. And that's such a trite word, and I hesitated to use it, but to live from a place where we bring light to the world, goodness. And for a while, it was this thing of like, you know, and I totally understand where it came from because we needed to right the ship in this way, but we overcompensated and we said, you know, we're not good. We need Jesus to save us. But, you know, a lot of Jesus' teaching said, look, you're saved, you're good. Like, you're good. Do you actually know that on your inner depths? And so when we look at this parable and we see, you know, the eye is the lamp of the body. When it's good, when it's healthy, your body's full of light. And so that body being full of light, it's this thing that happens when we just go deep, go deep, go deep, sit with the discomfort, you know, sit with the teaching, sit with the parables, and all of a sudden we find ourselves changing. And so... All that said, um, I just want to point out a few things uh, with the wording, because translations are messy, and there's a lot of different ways we can say things. And this parable, to be able to just see the image in its fullness so that we can sit with it, um, I just want to point out a few things. So I don't know if I may or may not have a slide with this one, because um, I'm just going to say, if you could bring up the verse, Abby. The eye is the lamp of the body. Okay. So the, the word I is literally 
It can mean I or eyes. It can be plural. Like Greek's weird. You know, it doesn't always distinguish. Um, it can also be, that this was the second definition I found, it can be a metaphor. And what it can be is a metaphor for the mind. And so, you know, yeah, we can, you know, I'd, I'd like to think the second definition, you know, we can sit with that one and, and see what happens. Because like I said, Jesus, he pointed not just physically I, like he's pointing at something deeper. And so the I, I mean, we could even fill in. The mind is the lamp of the body. And that word lamp, um, it's a different word. So they could have used the word that they use for like torch. And there's two words in Greek where one word is like a torch. It, it's like this big surrounding light. But this word that they use, it's called like lykos or some Greek word, lykos. Um, it's a small, direct, fine light. Hence the image. And so the eye, the mind, is this fine light for the body. And the word body, it's soma, which um, it literally means body, but it's also the same word that Paul uses when he talks about Christ's body. And not just Christ's body, but us being Christ's body. And so it can be this metaphor um, that holds more than just flesh, it holds almost like a mystical, like we're together in a body. It's like, we're in body. It's like, no, we're not, but we are in one body. And so as we look at this, we see that the mind is this direct light for something that is like all of us, for this all-encompassing body of who we are. And if our eyes are healthy, then our whole body, our whole being will be full of light. And what's so interesting about that word healthy, it's the word haplos, haplos. And haplos, haplos is a word that can be translated in a number of ways. It can be healthy. It can also be translated as clear. Some of your translations might say clear. Um, but it can also be translated as whole or simple or um, sound. So as, we, as I was sitting with this and just, you know, with not only thinking it in their context, but then just, you know, the way images can then speak to our context, like, the mind is this point of, that carries so much of who we are. It's almost like this fixated point of our being. And what goes on in our mind says a lot about the state of what's going on here. And what's amazing is, and I think Jesus, he knew this or intuited it or something, but the mind, like when we use the word mind, we used to think it was like this logical, rational, you know, muscle. No, it's left brain, right brain, thought, feeling. Like the mind encompasses all that. And if you think about it, when we go out in the world and we function, we're just, you know, a lot of what we're aware of at least in part, is, are our thoughts and emotions. I mean, that's what we use to function. And then we use our body to interact. And, and it's all coming from this deeper source. And so as I was sitting with this and asking myself, you know, Jesus, how can I take this deeper, take this teaching and really sit with it? Um, I, I took most of the week, Abby will 
definitely feel for me with this. I, I did a bunch of research. I tried to find a bunch of answers. And that, that'll have its place, you know, finding out about the nature of our minds and why we see things the way we do. But one of those mornings early in the week, I sat down and I just have this little notebook in my drawer and I just started writing with, with this in, in mind. <laughs> and what came out was interesting because I started to see that I wasn't writing from a place of my mind, at least, you know, at times, but, you know, I'm sure we can all experience when we're using our thought and our feeling, but there's a quality to it that it, it's shining light through. It's not this dark, you know, swirling mess, like God is flowing through my thoughts. God is flowing through my mind, through my feelings. And so I'm just going to read this, and then we'll go from there. Um, <clears throat> I know when I'm protecting. When I get a thought like, what if I'm not ready for blank? Or what if I fail at blank? And I feel my mind seize control and it becomes torn between thoughts and emotions. And the story I'm telling myself triggers another emotion which triggers another thought and another emotion and so on. And my body feels the reverberations of each emotion, of each thought. And then when it's increasingly painful, I go into survival mode. And it can all happen in an instant. The energy increases, everything swirls faster and faster. At first a storm, and then a tropical depression, and then a hurricane. You know, these dark clouds, they cover my body in darkness. Now, the light is nowhere to be seen. The light within cannot see the light without. But if the mind, the eye, remains simple, clear, and whole, it is a much different story. The living light can lead. It rises up from the deepest part of my being and fills my entire body. It moves through the instrument of my mind and into the living light that rushes its way into the world. And we act as we're meant to be, as children of light. But I block this light all too often, but I'm learning. I used to not catch the moment when these skies get cloudy, when the energy of thought and emotion build. But now I'm starting to see these moments, and they're not to be avoided. They're the way through. For when the light comes out, and the sun emerges, those dense and dark swirling clouds disappear and turn to mist. Let the light emerge, and the thought and emotions will flee. Yeah. As I wrote those words, I reread them, and just sat with them. And it was funny because yesterday, um, you know, I, I have, I've had a lot of experiences where it's almost like I'm, I'm trying to stand 
in that place of where the light is so that I can see what's going on up here in, in my mind. And, you know, it's, this happens within ourselves. But what's funny is, not, I mean, funny might not be the right word, but honestly what's miraculous is when I find myself doing this with Abby. And this... If I could share one transformative thing that has just given us so much life, it's these moments when, you know, I can, this is the first year of our marriage all the way up until now. I can tell, and one of our, yesterday it was Abby in this position, but Abby's eyes, there was this kind of lifeless, lightless look, and I looked at her, and I knew immediately, like, she's been through hell this week. It's been tough. Like, awesome, we're stoked, she's pregnant, but those of you who've been pregnant know how hard it is when you get really sick. And to put that on top of it, how hard it is when I have a busy week and I'm gone a bunch. And to put that on top of, you know, the, the busyness and me not being there, she's having to watch, for, watch after Kaya and wants to be a, a, an amazing mom for her, but can't do it at so many times. And, you know, it's amazing how the negativity just, you know, swirls. And again, like thought, emotion, thought, emotion. And all of a sudden the story develops of, I'm a horrible mom. You know, I'm, I'm not doing this well. And I'm just lazy. And so I see this happen and I look at Abby's eyes and... <laughs> She doesn't say anything yet, but I can put the pieces together. And there were times in our relationship where I may have gone and given her answers. I may have gone and, you know, named the emotion or tried to name it or got, like, asked her, like, what are you feeling? And what I did and what I've done at these miraculous moments when I almost just find myself doing it is I keep my assumptions clear, keep my feelings at bay, and I go and I just sit beneath what she's experiencing. And from that place, like I become that underlying light that can then shine up and let the, the thoughts and the feelings be seen the light shines, you see it all, and then just slowly it dissipates. And it's funny, because I just sit there and I just am present with her in this, in this sense, you know, where it's, it's not me, it's God. And she starts talking her way through things, and then, you know, has a moment where emotion comes out, and then she pieces something together, and then feels something. And it's this dance between thought and emotion that is no longer building a storm, but it's clearing everything out and you know I look at this parable and I look at this thing I wrote and I look at our marriage and then I look at our world and I just see this swirling cloud happening this you know all these thoughts all these emotions all it's just building 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 and what you know, I'm just starting to see is we're light. 
and, and God's light and Jesus' light. And when we sit in that place of light, whether with ourselves or with another person or with a community, and we don't jump the gun with our answers, you know, it's like, it's like what I said about parable. We think we know something, but there's room for some more. You know, we might, might, know, might be able to find out just a little more. It's like when, I, when I'm able to hold that at bay, um, breakthroughs happen, and I, transformation happens. And so I just share that this morning as a um, kind of a messy glimpse at life, but also a, a glimpse at, I think, you know, where Jesus is trying to get us. God's love holds us, and it's always sufficient for when we mess up so that we can become light, and we can become vessels of light in a world that is swirling. And so, Abby, you, you can put up the last quote. Our life... This is by Dallas Willard, by the way. I mean, you probably could have guessed, but. Our life and how we find the world now and in the future is almost totally a simple result of what we have become in the depths of our being, in our spirit, will, or heart. From there, we see our world and interpret reality. From there, we make our choices, break forth into action, try to change our world. We live from our depths, most of which we do not understand. So to, to take it all the way into the parable, like we have these depths, we have this body, this soma of stuff that, you know, it's, there's so much in there. But it's amazing how this image shows us that all that in there swirls up and, and like is, is put in this lamp. And when we can take a look at our, our lamp, and what's amazing is we can do this throughout the whole week, you know, just any time of day. Just, just noticing what's in the lamp helps us understand what's going on in the body. And when Jesus said, like, it's amazing how those thoughts can also... I, I had a quote that I came by this week. It was by Marcus Aurelius, of all people, I think a, a Roman, right, or something, something like that. Um, he had this quote where our thoughts color the, the edges of our soul. And the way our lamp can put darkness into us is so dangerous. And, and I think that's part of what we're seeing is, like, what happens when we lose our light is, you know, we lose, like, our mind is swirling in, you know, chaos, like, we have no idea what's inside of us. And so then we go out there and we try with the best intentions to do stuff, to fix things, and we are bringing darkness. And so, like, for us to start just with that lamp and then seeking down, like, okay, what's, what's in, in the depths of me? And then starting to notice, oh, like, I'm, sh like, Light is just coming out of me. That's another quote that I almost shared, but Dallas Willard, he, he says, like, 
It's an easy yoke because when you practice Jesus' teachings and find them to be true in your whole being, like life just comes from you. You don't have to try. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to live based off of reputation or you know, external um, pride. Like it all just comes out, like Seth said, from the inside out. And so, as I close, you know, Dad, you can come up here. Mom, you can pass Kaya off, maybe even to me <laughs> or to Uncle. Um, yeah, I'm not, I feel uneasy in a weird way because doing this type of work is it's not easy. And, you know, and then standing up here and trying to convince myself that I'm not doing this for reputation, that's not easy, because right when we think we're good, that stuff sneaks back. But again, like God's light and his life and his love, it holds even the moments, not even even, especially the moments when we thought, oh, I was over this, I'm good. Oh, there it is again. I thought I was, I was good. And so when those moments of humiliation come, when, when the times when we're like, oh, you know, I thought I did away with that, like that's when we can lean into God's grace. And not only lean into it as a message, but as power, because the feelings of shame, they're going to fly up in your mind. The, the thoughts of guilt, they're going to just start swirling. And so God's grace and his love and his light and what Jesus showed us and proved to us and just put into the world, you know, that is the light that can shine into that little mess when we don't know where to go. And so let's all um, bow our heads and, and take a moment. Father, uh, <clears throat> Son, Holy Spirit, uh, I want to speak a blessing over this community that we can push out any feelings of darkness, any thoughts of darkness. That, you know, all it takes is a moment of that upward look, inward look into the light. You know, and all that can flee. And I just pray that this would be something we learn as a community. We learn in our own individual relationships with ourselves and with our spouses and our kids that we'd be able to hold each other's swirling dark messes and watch you shine. Watch your light shine. I just pray that we could do this ourselves and our families and in the world. I say this in your name.